And we're back, Hour 2, Heat Wave Sports. Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. You can always get interactive with the show over on Twitter, at Tom Barton Sports, at HW Sports. Or if you still use a thing called the telephone, cell phone, 876-1340. That's the Heat Wave hotline. We're always willing to discuss what's going on in this quote-unquote world of sports that we live in. And, Tommy, you know, before we jump into some NHL, I, I say it on the air all the time, Wagering Week, the podcast, starring yourself, of course, S- hashtag SGN. That's my, that's my ride home on Saturday nights. I worked, the, I worked the long shift. I jump in the car. I put on Wagering Week. And, and at times, you know, I don't live almost an hour away, but at times I'll, I'll actually sit in the driveway and finish the show because you just have great talking points, Great, you have great guests, by the way. You know, you mix it up. You don't always have the same guys on all the time. It's it's actually a, a nice mix of, of guests that you have, whatever current the topic is. So, what what can we look forward to, or what can I look forward to tonight? Oh, uh, Dave Sharapin uh, stops by. One of my oh. favorite guests. Uh, anybody that knows anything about Las Vegas <laughs> knows uh, Big Dave, man. So he comes on. I try to give him plenty of time. Man, we, we, we went through preseason, and he's got some stories for you about betting preseason. I, look, I'm one of those people that I stay far away from it, Tim, right? And it seems like uh, uh, there are some people that uh, don't uh, agree with that philosophy, but uh, we will get into that with Dave Sharapin. It, it's pretty interesting. And a great question that I asked him, you guys got to listen to Wagering Week, the podcast is available. All podcasts are available. Um, I asked him, does hard knocks have any effect on the lines, Tim? So that's an interesting one. And then I had Mark Beach on, who's talking about Aaron Rodgers. Like I said, he wrote uh, the illustrated history of 100 years of the Green Bay Packers. And he gave me some interesting uh, opinions on Aaron Rodgers. He has been the most consistent voice that Aaron Rodgers will not go anywhere else. He will play in Green Bay this year. And just uh, give you a little insight, that may have changed a little. So those are two guests. That's going to be on Wagering Week this week. Can I can I funnel you a, a question? And whenever you decide you're going to talk NHL regular season, I would like to know, Tom, with what happened with Vegas in year one expansion, overachieving, where will we see Seattle come in? as a uh, wins total or odds or however. I, I know the odds are astronomical. They're not as bad as you would think they are. They're actually teams with worse odds than the Kraken are to win the Stanley Cup, but more so the, the wins total over under because I think that's one that's easier to handicap is if you're looking to uh, make a little money, not so much them to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah, this week uh, I, I, I could see I'll, – I'll throw it out there to a couple of people and, and see what I could come back for for our show next week. As a matter of fact, this week is a, a way to give myself a quick little plug here. I am still, uh, sitting in on Sportsmap Radio for Jake Aspen this week uh, for the morning show. I'm going to have Charlie Ward on talking about the Bobby Bowden situation on Monday. Uh, Olympic gold medal. Do you remember the Miracle on Ice? Michael Ruzioni is going to join me on Tuesday. So um, there's two more guests. Do you guys want to go check that out as well? And that's live? Yeah, that's going to be live, 9 to 11 Eastern time. So by you, you guys, it's the morning show. So it's 6 to 8. It's on Sports Map Radio. Right on. Well, so tune in for that, Tom, Tommy. Yeah, I'm doing a little little fill-in morning shift, right? Why not? Mornings, yeah. nights, weekends, days, nights. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Yeah. Wherever they want me, you're right? Sleep- 
you're not sleeping anyways. It's cool. It's all good. Right. I'm awake. Yeah. I'm awake anyway. <laughs> so Wednesday. Wednesday we had Seattle draft. They basically drafted their, their initial roster. Right, Tom? We know that there's always things that go on after the fact with trades and side deals. Then the NHL free agency opening up. So the roster could change. Well, we saw the initial selections that Seattle uh, made in the expansion draft. And, and I know a lot of the big talk was that Montreal had, had exposed Carey Price to this. But we, we broke that down as well, saying that generally wasn't going to happen. It was a good, again, a good talking point. But more than likely that wasn't going to happen. And it didn't happen. And, you know, when you look at what they did do, Tommy, yeah, I think you and I were – we were good with what what they did in that draft. You know, there's some some guys on here, some veterans. I think the defense looks pretty good for an expansion team when you think about it. Their de- I think they did well drafting in defensive side of it. They got a couple young goaltenders. So we were seeing the building blocks of the newest team in the NHL, you know, and everybody wanted to bring up the fact of how well Vegas did in their first season. I, I, I think we were both in agreement, right, Tom? They, it's not going to be to that level. But they're also not going to be the rugrats of the uh, NHL because the way that the expansion process is designed now, that's not going to happen anymore. At least with these two, it, it wasn't going to happen. So you're seeing how teams need to come in and be somewhat competitive. And I think so far they're they're you know they're going to be okay. I don't know about the playoffs, but they're not going to be doormats. Yeah, I I thought it was a little interesting because obviously a lot of the rules that just made. Um uh, just Vegas become that kind of team, right? Uh, every rule was shifted to them. They gave them, basically just gave them everything that they could possibly have. A lot of that was was off here, right? A lot of that didn't, didn't happen. Um, and you saw people looking at this and going, oh, well, they're not going to be as good as Vegas. No, they're not. But they also didn't make, uh, you know, some of the errors that I think that Vegas may have made. And I say may have made because, look, Vegas had a lot of immediate success, so that helped out for them. But they still didn't get a championship out of it, and, and they're in salary cap hell. I mean, that's just what they are. Me and you talk, talked about it afterwards. I said, yeah, Vegas was probably hoping that they t- took Flurry, right? I mean, they, they were probably hoping, and you were, you were laughing. And I said, no, I'm kind of serious because that gets Vegas out of the situation of, oh, wait a minute. We have to you know, kind of handle one of these things. So the price situation was interesting. I, I actually thought maybe, maybe they'd take a shot there, right? Um, but probably not. But you, you add Giordano, Larson, Dunn, Eberle. Um, uh, you, you add that with, like you said, two good goaltenders. This is an interesting team, Tim. I, and I, I think I'm in the same spot with you. No, I don't think that they're going to have the Vegas success because the rules weren't twisted for them the way that they were twisted for Vegas. No, I don't think that they're going to be a playoff team. But I don't think that they're going to be out of that playoff race. And here's the difference between what Vegas did and what they did. I think that they didn't overspend. Ridiculous. I think that they spent, you know, uh, in a way that starting next year, all of a sudden, I believe that this team could build on this basic core in this group of people and i think that they definitely will i'm excited to to really watch the process and it wasn't you know here we go again with the, the vegas hating right you know it's not it's not even that that situation 
I was excited when, when Vegas was granted a franchise. I was excited to watch them build the, the, the team. I also knew that the, the things that they did in their first two years, Tom, were going to put them up against a wall, this proverbial wall that they're sitting against right now, and they have nothing to show for it. And yet the, the talk is, oh, well, we should go get Jack Eichel. That'll help. That's not the answer to the problems, you know. And, and in Seattle, there, there wasn't that situation. When, when you look at who they drafted and the money that they spent, there's some cap room there, Tommy. And this is where it's going to be interesting to see what the Seattle front office is going to do because they came out and said, hey, look, we're not going to cap ourselves out, but at the same time, we're going to make uh, decisions we feel that we can bring some veterans in by the free agent market that are going to help us, not necessarily maybe in the next two years, but we sign them long term, they're going to be there for us in years three, four, and five. And, and that's the difference in the front office situations that I had seen. And um, I, I got into a discussion with, with a Knights fan on online, and basically he said I was whining about Vegas not having to expose a player. And it wasn't me whining into that. I said, look, it probably would have been better for you to have to expose a player. For whatever you know, the reason was Tommy, and I think it had to do with some some distribution of money for the for the uh, expansion fee, was that Vegas didn't have to to give up a player. Maybe maybe they they should have, right, Tom? Because they could use that cap room now. And if you think you're going to just plug and play, and you're going to put a guy like Jack Eichel if that happens in your in your lineup, you can, you can keep dreaming all you want. That wasn't the issue, right? It wasn't the issue in that it's going to just change overnight. Their, their top six let them down in the playoffs. There's no doubt about it. And and that's a that's a bigger issue that needs to be looked at. So with that being said, when you look at the two franchises and there's, a, what, a four-year gap here, I like so far the framework of Seattle. Let's see how they fill in these gaps here. You know, they, we, we just had the amateur draft. Matt, Matt Benier is, is, could possibly be huge in Seattle in three years' time. And, and you know, for a number two pick, I like what they're doing, Tom. I like I like how they built this frame. Now let's just put these pieces of the puzzle that are missing, and we could be talking about the Kraken in the playoffs in year three. Timmy, you telling me that the Kraken win a cup before Vegas? <laughs> do, Am I stoking that, that guy, fire? You? Am I stoking you to be that, that guy? Huh? Hey, look, be that guy. Say it if you think it, man. I'm, you know, here's the thing. It sounds like a crazy, ridiculous kind of uh, notion. But basically, you got to sweat out one, maybe two more years. And then you're in the clear, right? Because Vegas has got one, maybe two more years. And then things are going to go sideways on them just because of, of players that they're going to lose in the cap room and everything else. So can you sweat it out and just say, okay, I don't think Vegas is going to win it in, uh, next year. And then, well, then you got about five years where the Kraken could kind of come up. I don't think it's a crazy thing for you to say. Are you going to say it, though? Are you going to say I'm putting you to the fire here. I can't say it. Give, give me, um, let me, let me see how it plays out in year one. Ask me this question in a year. I want to see how they fill this team in, and that that's important. I want to see the contracts. I want to see the age of the the players that they do bring in, because I think that the secret is. And look, I'm not, I'm not denouncing what Vegas did, right, Tommy? If you can win a cup, you got to do what you got to do to win a cup. But there are ramifications when you do spend out of control to do that, and it doesn't produce on the other end. And I think here in Vegas, it's just gun-shy situation. And, you know, here's the storylines that we're looking at coming into this year. Once again, the window is slightly still open. Seattle, you know, Vegas is playing in a division 
Tommy, really, with three teams that are rebuilding, a busted-up team. So that's, a, you know, they don't have Colorado in their division. So it's a division they should be able to win, put them right back in the playoffs. So, again, they have that, that opportunity, 1-16 chance of winning it. Oh, by the way, can can they do it? That that you know, what are they going to do in the off season? There's a lot to be said. So, that's a good storyline looking at. Uh, you know, what's funny is that the first game of the year, Tom, is Seattle coming to Las Vegas to play the Golden Knights. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting game. And look, the, Seattle will be a massive underdog. Seattle will lose that game. I, I, you know, that, that it is what it right. is. Vegas is designed to win that game. They're supposed to win that game. They will win that game. Okay. Um, but it is I, I like that the schedule makers gave us that. I, I think that that's I love it when, you know, everybody always rips apart the schedule makers, but I love it when we get a game like that, and we go, Oh, that's perfect. Oh, that's perfect. And that is a perfect game. And since we're we're kinda of talking about Vegas and uh the ties in here, you know, back home in New York there, Tom, obviously you have our, our old coach in Galan and he's already he's already shaping this team up you and i agreed that was a coaching change necessary right and you've always said that look if you get rid of the guy the guy you're bringing in better be a better option which we agreed that gallant is a better option and already tommy you've seen him start to build that 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 term again the framework of what his team's going to look like i already like what he's doing and i think he's severely going to make vegas wish they didn't let him go I will say this: um, I think the Rangers are a playoff team. I think that they they're. I don't think that they're far off. I like what they're doing. I like the coach. They if they're not a playoff team this year, I will say that in three years' time, and and that's a pretty good window. I will say in three years' time, they are competing for a championship. Is it maybe a championship? Uh, maybe it's not the cup, but it's a you know a, their championship in their half of their division, whatever it might be. They are not only a playoff team, but they're a deep-run playoff team in three years. Yeah. I'll make this prediction. They're back in the playoffs this year. Like, yeah. That's an I easy think, one I for me to make. they're a playoff team this year. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair assessment. Very much so. Yeah. All right, let's move over to the hot, the hot sport, Tom. Baseball. So before we even get into deadline deals, buyer-sellers, a uh, week away, we were gifted with this story just 48 hours ago. The Cleveland Indians will no longer be the Cleveland Indians. Very soon they'll be named the Cleveland Guardians. And um, I won't read verbatim what our texts to each other had said, but neither one of us are particularly happy with that name change there. And, you know, sometimes it's little things are so simple, and yet the, the, here's what I don't get it. These are people that run businesses, you know, name the team. They could have a name the team contest. They could have done so many different things to make this look better for not only the franchise and the sport itself. And just, I, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling this name. I'm not feeling the name. Of, you know, I, I get the reasons behind these changes. I'm just not feeling the name change here. And I think it was a terrible choice. Yeah, look, I, I, I like that they're keeping the basic design. I will say that I like that it's it's still the Indian script and all that. Um, the whole changing the name to, to the Indians, uh, I, I mean, come on, uh, you know, come on. It, it, it's it's a ridiculous notion in itself. 
that this should be a thing, but who cares? Look, we're in a league where <laughs> two teams are literally named after socks, right? I mean, it's, I, I'm not all that upset about the, the change, but right, like you said, it's the way that you went about it, and then you have this weird guardian thing. I, I don't know. It just feels a little weird. Um, I, me and you kind of were talking, and I, I'll give a, a little bit uh, of a feel. And I said, you know, the, the bad thing about this is that I had to go through a year last year where I probably said Redskins on the air like five times, ten times maybe. Mm-hmm. It's just something that, that I do. Uh, I mean, no disrespect about it. It just is what it is. They don't have a team name, so it's a little bit different, difficult. Three years, four years, five years from now, I'm probably still going to call them the Indians just because it, it slips. I still call it Shea Stadium. It's City Field. It's not even. It's a whole different environment, right? I mean, this is just something that people do. People just generally do this. I, I know older guys that still call them the Brooklyn Dodgers. I mean, it's just slip of the tongue. It's what you're used to. The problem that I have with all this is that if you do have a slip of the tongue, or if you don't like the Guardian symbol, or you didn't like the name change to the Guardians, or the way that they did it, it's thought to be because it's a nefarious problem, because it's a deep-rooted issue that you have. Um, you know, you're not sensitive, you're uh, blatantly racist, whatever it might be. Where I think we just got to live in a society where we go, we just think the Guardian's name is stupid. <laughs> you know, like, where they went with this is is weird. You know, I put up Guardians of Cleveland. It, it could have been anything. I Look, you start seeing the list and they go, well, they used to have like five different names. Go back to one of those names, right? Like, why do we have to come up with a brand new name, totally different design? But I will give them credit. I like that it looks almost like the Indians didn't change anything. It actually really does look like the, it still almost says Indians. And for Cleveland fans out there, just call them the Deans and you'll be fine. Yeah. Obviously, a glaring omission will be Chief Wahoo that, you know, for, for many, many years... As long as we've been alive, Tom, that's been the, the symbol there. And, again, we get it. We understand why this is being done. But I, have, I have an interesting question. Does that mean that movies like Major League are not acceptable anymore? I, you know, Or does that fall into the category of, look, it's entertainment? Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of questions here that revolve around more than just what the team name was. Well, you know, I, it's funny that, that you said that because I wonder where we go down the spiral of all of this nonsense, right? Um, part of the culture of Florida State, my wife is an alumni of Florida State, uh, is the Seminoles, right? It, it is, look, it is their chief. Chief Osceola is there. They come out. They dress, you know, like a Native American. They, they put the, the saber into the ground. They all do the chop in the stands, and they put war paint on, and you know, I said, how long until they come after you? And her response to me was actually the Seminole Nation, like, you know, pretty much runs Florida State. And they love that we celebrate that. But I heard that from a lot of Native Americans with the Indians also. Like, going, yeah, we, it's a celebratory thing. It's a, it's a good thing. Look, Tim, I'm Irish, okay? Fighting Irish is as offensive <laughs> as anything. Oh, good, we're all just drunken leprechauns with our fists up. I mean, literally, that's what that is. But I don't get offended. It doesn't matter to me, you know, but if you want to go down there. But my whole thing is that is the identity of the Indians going to go away? And this is what I was asking her about Florida State. Like, can you do the the, the war chant? Remember in Major League, the guy had, 
you know, the headdress on and he was pounding the drums. To me, I think of that as a good thing uh, that we're celebrating, you know, that kind of culture. Are they going to take that away, though? Can you not do drums anymore? Well, it sounds kind of stupid to do drums with Guardians now. People wearing headdresses and things like but yeah, that can't happen anymore in Cleveland now. So a lot of the, the culture of the fandom and things that they do in that respect, I think it has to change. I think it has to change, which that's going to be a little bit strange in itself. We'll stay, stay in Major League Baseball. What about the Atlanta Braves, Tom? Oh, they're coming next, yeah. Yeah. You know, so you see it happening see, everywhere. I think, I think the, the woke culture and we'll call it the woke culture, um, is going to go on until it devours itself. And, you know, it's going to go on until people just say enough is enough. You know, enough is enough. And I know many of us are at that point, but the, the wokeness that has to be, they also run a lot of things. Look, <laughs> you know, there are stations that you just can't watch anymore, movies you can't sit through anymore because it's just the oversimplification of thinking that everyone is just out to get everybody else as opposed to just going yeah no it's fine um and like i said i'm giving you the the most perfect example is that the fighting irish are literally fighting irish because the irish people are apparently violent they have their you know fists up in the air represented by a leprechaun that's you know as offensive as you're gonna get yeah it's not Chief Wahoo, who was a, you know, a strong chief and was actually drawn by a, a Native American chief himself to show the strength and power of or Florida State Seminoles, where the Florida State Seminole tribe actually has designed their new logo and put money into the school and they kind of run the school. No, no, no. They even have to take that away. So woke culture, Tim, is not going anywhere. It's going to devour everything in its path until... We are all just sitting here like demolition, man. Yeah. All right, let's take our final time out here on a Saturday night. Major League Baseball trade deadline a week away. We'll look at, again, a week later, we're going to look at where these potential landing spots for some of the bigger names in the MLB could be going. And are there any surprises? Tom, Tom's going to let us know with a week away if there will be any surprises at the Major League trade Major League Baseball trade deadline. Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, back after this. Tim Unglesby, Tom Barton, Heatwave Sports, Saturday night. Every weekend, Saturday and Sunday, 10 o'clock to midnight right here on Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. You can hear us on the LV Sports Network website. We podcast all our shows at every major podcast forum, including iTunes. So make sure you tune in there. And, of course, all week long over on Twitter at HW Sports at Tom Barton Sports. And, Tommy, before we jump into some more deadline news, just look at let's look at the season as we a week into a week after the All Star game, and you're starting to see the movement of these teams, which is really going to lead us into what teams are going to make these moves. Uh, obviously, your your Yankees is is the gas tank 
going to be full enough to make a run here at Boston. And not even Boston, right, Tom? You just got to make the playoffs in order to do some damage. You know, I think today's game was uh, kind of one of those games where you go, they needed this one. You know, I gave away a late game. Uh, earlier in the week to Boston, which was a win until it wasn't. Today, they had no prayer to win this game. Came back, won the game. Chapman closed it out. He looked good. Um, tomorrow, uh, more than likely, won't be tomorrow, but maybe Monday or Tuesday, Aaron Judge will be back. They also then get a, a three-game series, actually a four-game series with your Baltimore Orioles. So, yeah, look, you know, the, the Yankee fans are a fickle bunch, and I've you know, been back and forth with this team because it, it is, look, it is hard to buy into a team that is playing so inconsistent. And you go, you got Estevan Florial and, and Greg Allen in there, but you got to just keep saying, keep your head above water because the reinforcements are coming back. We live in a new major league baseball where you just got to get in and the Yankees just get in means if you just get in and have to play a wild card game, you got Derek Cole going. Okay. So, uh, can we make an argument that Garrett Cole is, is still the best pitcher in the American League? Yeah, we can. Um, there are a lot of concerns on the back end of the bullpen, but we've seen the very good as well. Jonathan Lewisica came back, looked good today. Chapman, look, he hurt his finger now. That's a, a major reason for a lot of his problems. If he can get back, that's fine. Luke Voigt still isn't on this team right now. Giovanni Urcella is on COVID protocol. Uh, Aaron Judge is having a, an MVP-style season on COVID protocol, right? I mean, these guys are coming back. The Yankees are going to be buyers. What are they going to buy is the question. I keep hearing Trevor's story. I told you I spoke with Michael Kay. I spoke with, uh, you know, uh, Brian Hulk, And both of them told me they didn't think Trevor's story. But I keep hearing his name. And now a lot of the rumors with Trevor's story are, well, he can play center field. And you go, oh, 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 is that right? Okay. It's not just the Yankees. The Brewers are apparently looking at him to play center field as well. And you're going, oh, okay. All right. Well, now that changes things. Again, he's a right-handed bat. I keep hearing Anthony Rizzo. Um, I think that the Cubs will be in a fire sale. I don't think Anthony Rizzo is going to be the guy that saves the Yankees. Now, all of a sudden, we hear Washington come out and say, everyone's available, not named Juan Soto. And everyone's going, oh, Max Scherzer. Oh, there's Scherzer. Oh, you give me Cole and Scherzer. Oh, there's Cole and Scherzer. Tim, you know what I'm sitting back going? Go get Trey Turner. If they really said that, and this is what they're listening to, go get Trey. Don't give me Trey Turner right now. He's what the Yankees sort of need. But again, is he a left-handed bat? The Joey Gallo thing is a question mark. I believe that the Yankees are going to make a move here that is a very Brian Cashman move in recent years, which is, get surrounded by the Max Scherzer talk, have Trevor Story's name be floated out there, everybody looking that way, and they're going to go land somebody like, you know, an Eduardo Escobar or, you know, or or, or a middle-of-the-road kind of guy, stopgap, um, you know, an outfielder that we're not thinking of. I don't think the Yankees are going to make that big explosive move. I just don't. Craziness in Major League Baseball. What, what about in the West, National League West? You mentioned at the top of the show, the Dodgers, just two games behind Frisco. Here's here's the kicker, though, right, Tom? Just a few nights ago, the Giants had completed back-to-back, come-from-behind wins in, in this uh, in this rivalry. 
And what do they do to, re- to, to keep that momentum going? They drop two games to the Pirates, who just got swept by the Diamondbacks the previous series. It's, just, it's, uh, it's crazy that, these, you know, literally you're talking about not only this division, there's going to be a couple other ones are going to come right down to the wire. I am shocked, Tim. Absolutely stunned uh, that they lost two in a row to the Pirates. I, I, I can't even wrap my head around what's happening in San Francisco. All that momentum for the Dodgers uh, against the Dodgers series, all of that coming up. And maybe it's just an emotional situation for them, right? Maybe it is just too emotional for them to get up against the Dodgers. Then they got Pittsburgh. And then what do they have, Tim? They got the Dodgers next, right? So maybe it was just too emotional for them. But I can't explain to you what's happening with this team in San Francisco. I will say this. I do think that they have to start taking themselves seriously as contenders. And if you're taking yourself seriously as contenders, you've got to go out there and make that move. Everyone's looking at Trevor's story, and I get it, guys. You can play him at second base, maybe center field, do different things. The guy that just fits perfectly with that team is Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant seems like a San Francisco Giant player. He seems like he would fit in well there. The Giants love the versatility to use him in different spots, and he can play third until Longoria gets back. Then he can play a little first until, you know, Brandon Belt wants to be. Oh, wait a minute! You know what? You want to go play a little outfield? Oh, we got spots for you there. To me, if you're San Francisco Giants, I don't care what's just happening at Pittsburgh. If you're the Giants and you're you leave this Dodger series, and you are able to show them, look, we are the bosses in this division, not you, then you've got to owe it to your team and your fans to go make that move and go get that guy. And while everyone's looking at Trevor's story, I think that guy is Chris Bryant. Answer me this, and sometimes I say that, Tommy, because I know you don't necessarily have the answer, but I like to pick your brain. I think for baseball, it's it's crazy that uh, you and I can go so deep sometimes into farm systems and understand what a team's trying to do here. So I have two of these head scratches for you. But the first one, since we're talking about the Giants, let me ask you this. And, and maybe it just could be a situation where they are, eh, you know, testing the waters, right? But apparently, when asked about the trade deadline and the availability of some of the prospects that the Giants have, that the name Joey Bart, somebody who you both you and I really like, is not necessarily off limits, Tommy. It's, uh, you know, he's likely a player that can be available to the franchise. And you'd say, well, why, why would they do that if he's at one point their number one prospect, right? Well, Buster, yeah, he's having a hell of a reemergence, but he, he is on the back end of his career. But then the head scratcher is, if you, if you just date back two years ago and remember that the Giants picked Patrick Bailey, the, the catcher on North Carolina State, in the first round. He was a top 13 pick. So there's depth at that catching position. Do you really think they, they make the move if they can get – or here's a better question. Who can they get where Bart is available? It'd have to be a bigger name. Well, and that's the thing. You know, when you start talking about Joey Bart, and I think that this is a strategic design by San Francisco. We all play in fantasy leagues, Tim. You know that there's always that fantasy league guy that goes – Everyone on my team is available. And then you ask him, you go, all right, dude, um, what do you want for Juan Soto? Well, I don't know if I really want to trade him. Uh, oh, okay, but now you engage me in a conversation, you know, or you're feeling it out. Look, to get a guy like Joey Bart, someone's going to have to pay massive money. Now, I'm just going to give you a scenario here, Tim, okay? Um, San Francisco comes calling. 
Okay. Uh, I mean, uh, the Cubs come calling and they go, all right, we'll give you Chris Bryant. Um, we'll give you Craig Kimbrell. And we'll give you Kyle Hendricks. We need, um, uh, you know, we, we need two of your minor league pitchers. I want Logan Webb back and give me Joey Bart. I don't know if San Francisco can say no to that. You know, there are packages to be had out there, Tim. There are not obvious packages. It's not going to be for Trevor Story for one year here. They're not obvious packages, but packages can be had for Joey Bart. And then you also have the idea, look, if you're coming for Joey Bart, maybe we trade you Patrick Bailey. Well, look, guys, that, that, that is a little rich for, uh, for, for, for Joey Bart. Um what if we replace that with Patrick Bailey? I mean, it's a way, it's a conversation starter. I don't think Bart's going anywhere, but if the Giants want to really go out there and really make a stab this year, whew, listen, you know, Mac Mac Scherzer um, for Joey Bart straight up. Look, I don't know if San Francisco does that. I think Washington pulls the trigger in a second. But if you're San Fran and you go, we have an opportunity to get Scherzer at the front of this rotation. Ah, maybe I stop and hesitate. I just mentioned Trey Turner. You know, look, Trey Turner <laughs> is going to get a big haul. You turn around, you go, give me Logan Webb and Joey Bart. Maybe that gets it done for Trey Turner. I'm making that move. So I think it's smart to have it open to engage in the talks, but I don't think he's going anywhere. You said Craig Kimball as well, you know, in a proposed mock trade. Or, or if you're okay. Tommy, from an analyst's point of view, or even a fan's point of view, if you're a Giants fan, are you solid sold with Rodgers as your closer? We saw a meltdown earlier in the week. He was able to come back and, and redeem himself. But with a guy like Craig Kimbrell out there who's having a, a good season, right, Tommy? He's, he bounced back from from uh, last year. Do you make that move? And, and is he your closer? Do you demote Rodgers and have the, just the two guys there, set, one setting the other up? Or do you bring Kimbrell in to, to set up Rodgers? I mean, if you can get Kimbrell, do you do it? I think you have to. I mean, to me, San Francisco is one of those teams with the luxury where Rodgers is very good. Rodgers also has you know double-digit holds on the year because they don't use a traditional closer role there. Um, so going out there and getting Kimbrell, putting Rodgers in the eighth inning, it, it's not going to be unusual for Rodgers. So I think they're in a very, very good position to do something like that. I also think you have to look at Minnesota where – how about Rogers? His brother is over there in Minnesota, and he's doing the same kind of thing from the left-hand side. He's got about eight, nine holds on the year. He's got about eight, nine saves on the year. He loves matchups down there in San Fran. All right, so why would you not go get that guy? But yeah, I think Kimball. Kimball to me is one of those names that is absolutely gone. I don't think that there's any way he finishes out his year as a Cub. I'm skeptical about the Rizzo situation. Bryant to me is going to be gone. Kimball's almost as, as near to 100% as possible. I'm, I'm under the belief that Kimbrell ends up a Philly, Tommy. They've they've managed to find themselves back to 500. They're only four games behind the Mets in the division. And really, when you're looking to add firepower to the bullpen, I think Kimbrell ends up in Philadelphia, and they're not too shy about making that deal. You know, I heard, uh, uh, again, I keep hearing the return to Boston. I think we can eliminate that. The one place that we can't eliminate, you're saying there, you know, I, I think Toronto is the, the, the spot. They are absolutely devoid of a closer. 
And I just don't believe that, uh, you know, the Minnesota guys that they're throwing around out there, uh, any of them, Colomay or whatnot, I don't think that those guys are the kind. I think they want that closer, that shutdown guy that they can say, you know what, we're going to resign you next year. You're going to be our guy next year as well. I think Kimball winds up in Toronto. Hmm. Okay. Head scratcher number two for Mr. Tim here. Maybe you can help me with this as this was this has happened uh, earlier in the week. So we had talked about on last week's show Tampa and how they would be set up for the postseason, you know, now right now tied with Boston for first in that east. And and then the trade comes through during the week. Rich Hill moves from Tampa to New York, leaving the Rays with a rotation of Ryan Yarborough, Shane McClanahan, Josh Fleming, Michael Waka, and Louis Patino. I didn't get the trade, Tommy. I I don't think that the return was something that would have been warranted. And we absolutely have to do this. There, in my mind, there has to be a bigger picture. Um, maybe moving some money around. You know, it wasn't like Hill was stinking the joint out. He's six and four, three eight seven. I, you know, comparable to a third, third pitcher in your rotation. I, I guess you could look at it that way. There has to be a bigger move here for Tampa coming up this week. At least in my mind, it is. If we saw him pick up Cruz, I like that move. But we go back to the situation: is they need pitching, and you trade away one of your arms. Tim, we constantly just go, oh, it's the Rays, so they don't make mistakes, right? They don't make mistakes. Uh, to me, this is a massive mistake. Because the guy that they would call up would be Joe Ryan. Guess what happened? Joe Ryan is sitting in Minnesota now, right? I mean, yeah. that made no sense. So unless you're ready to advance, uh, you know, ba- ba- Shane Baz, who you're hoping here, or is Brent Honeywell ready? Either way, it's still taking a shot. Um, and now you're hearing, well, maybe Charlie Morton will be traded. Uh, why? What? So you're going to go get one 40-year-old for another 40 Like, it didn't make any sense. I think that the Rays um, always have a plan. I think we're waiting for to see their plan. Tim, I think they just got owned on this one, man. I think it was just a bad situation, a bad trade where they said, you know what? Uh, we, we got there last year. We don't think we're a World Series team this year. He's not going to really help us. Uh, so we want to go get younger. No surprises like deadline Friday, 4 p.m. Eastern. Max Scherzer is now a Ray. Nothing like that. Look, it might happen. Uh, But usually with things like this, if if they were trading Rich Hill with the idea of that, of Scherzer uh, coming in or, you know, a Luis Castillo or somebody big kind of walking through those doors, if that was the situation, usually that happens in the first, like, 24, 48 hours, right? It's, it, I don't want to say it's an immediate move, but it's a pretty immediate move. I don't think that they're going to wait a week and and then get into a bidding war where, well, you guys thought you had shares, so that's why you got rid of Rich Hill, and now we know you're desperate, so now we're going to bump the price up a little bit because that's the situation that they, they would be in. And Realistically, what do you think the price can possibly be for Scherzer? It's going to be large. I mean, I'm looking at the Yankees. And just looking at the Yankees package that potentially they would be able to give up. And people are saying, Andrew Hart and Frazier. And I'm going, not even close. You know, you can start. They're saying anybody but Jason Dominguez is generally what it is. You know what? You're starting that conversation with, yeah, sure. We'll take Andrew Hart. We'll take Frazier. We'll take Debbie Garcia. We'll take Luis Medina. You know, this is going to be a massive haul. You turn around to the to the Rays. You know, look, you're not going to give me your junk. We're going to ask for everybody that's not on your major league roster. 
and we're going to start. Uh, Vidal Brugin should be the first name coming to, to their mind, right? First guy, because you're not giving up Wander Franco. But Brugin, yeah, we want him and Honeywell. How about that? I mean, that's the problem that when you start to get into a name like Scherzer, um, a frontline ace starting pitcher, the price, even on a rental, is going to be astronomical. You know, there's a, there's a, in my opinion, it's it should be a good ball game tomorrow night on ESPN Sunday Night Baseball. You got the White Sox and the Brewers, right, Tom? You have uh, Lance Lynn against Brandon Woodruff. It has the makings of just some good old-time quality baseball. The White Sox, 58 and 49 games up on the Indians there in the Central. And in the other Central division, the Brewers at 58 and 41, six and a half up on Cincinnati. And so far in, in these three-game series, in the first two games, Milwaukee has absolutely owned the White Sox. Curious on what you think either these teams are going to do here at the trade deadline. And, and a step further, part two of this is when you look at Chicago, right? I think uh, great season and pretty much have, have run away with the division when you look at what's in there. But a team that really home road dichotomy here on this one, it's if the White Sox are at home, that's a play on. When the White Sox are on the road, you know, you have to look at the other way sometimes for some value. Tim, you get uh, uh, just about 20 to 1 odds that this is the World Series. Uh, do you, how do you feel about that, Milwaukee-Chicago World Series? Hey, man, the way things are going this year, I'm okay with that, right? we got a great yeah, NBA final. So. I'm not against it. I'm not against it at all. I'll tell you, you know, you look at this, this and you're right. Uh, both of these teams are probably going to make a move. I don't expect the White Sox to do anything massive, though. I think they're perfectly set with their rotation. The one thing is that Dylan sees. Uh, you know, is innings, so they're probably going to need an innings eater. I don't see them going out and making a huge move here. You have to remember that Luis Roberts and Eloy Jimenez, who are supposed to be batting like 3-4 in the middle of that lineup right now, uh, are coming back. <laughs> right, They're on their way back, so they're already kind of making reinforcements. Uh, maybe they get another reliever. Maybe they get a guy to, to eat innings like a Tyler Anderson or something like that. Um Everyone has them going out there and looking for a second baseman. Eduardo Escobar makes a lot of sense. Adam Frazier makes a lot of sense there as well. Uh, the Brewers have to make a move. The, this Brewers offense is pitiful at times. Christian Yelich, I don't know what happened to him. I have no idea. Him and Cody Bellinger just went into the tank, right? I have no idea what happened to Christian Yelich, but they can't wait for him to come around. They've got to make a move, and it was a nice move to go get Willie Damas, who looks really good in Milwaukee. But they need a bat. Chris Bryant could be the guy. I think Trevor Story goes to Milwaukee. I still do. I'm buying into that idea. And if he doesn't go there, what about a combination of, like, Starling Marte and Aguilar? Who Aguilar has already had success there. You know, those are two names that make a lot of sense for Milwaukee as well. I don't think Milwaukee is a mediocre player away. To me, Milwaukee has to make a big splash here. Eduardo Escobar and how about Kettle Marte? Boom, a double splash. Milwaukee is a position to me that they've got to go get someone big like a Story or a Bryant or two bats to make a real run at this. They have a tremendous one, two, three. They have a pure ace. They have a very good bullpen. They've got to go out there and get that bat. They owe it to the fans. They owe it to the organization. What about the White Sox? I think We've seen pitching has been. You mentioned some of the names there. Why not? You you know what? Do you, what does this team need? They they've scored almost 500 runs this year, Tom. They have the offense. 
Is it such a, maybe a situation where they, they just add to the pen? Or do you look for him to add another arm just to deepen that rotation? Well, Freddie Peralta um, is starting to have his innings kind of cut back a little bit. You don't want Burns and Woodruff going 200 innings this year. So I can see an innings eater guy, but but that's about it. Um, I, I think people are vastly underrating what the Brewers can be. I, we just got a text message from Jose. Uh, thanks for listening, Jose. That, that he said, yeah, come on, the Brewers aren't winning anything. Guys, this pitching is downright scary. In a, in a series, you have to face Burns, Woodruff, and then Peralta. Look at their ERAs. And then after Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta, oh, by the way, you're going to have, uh, hopefully, a healthy Devin Williams for the seventh, eighth, maybe. Then all of a sudden, you got Josh Hader for the eighth, ninth. I mean, th- this is a scary, scary pitching rotation. And before you guys go out there and you go, oh, they're not winning anything. Tim, doesn't this have the feelings of a Washington Nationals World Series team? That's what Washington had. They didn't have enough hitting. They couldn't find it anywhere. We didn't know what was going to happen, but they had Scherzer and they had Strasburg, right? I mean, they had that one-two combo. And then, well, even a one-two-three, they got it done strictly on nothing but pitching. I'm not telling you that I'm betting on Milwaukee to win the World Series here. But I feel real good about Milwaukee over everybody else that's uh, not in the NL West. And I'll tell you what, Milwaukee against San Francisco, I'll take my chances. Milwaukee against the Dodgers, I'll take my odds. But I really want another bat in that lineup. Trevor Story goes to Milwaukee, I'm loading up on Milwaukee to go to the World Series. Chris Bryant goes to Milwaukee, I'm loading up. I think they are one big bat away or two solid bats away. Marte and Aguilar make a lot of sense. Where's Joey Gallo end up? Las Vegas kid. Texas. I don't think he goes anywhere. Yeah. Um, you know, Joey Gallo is a, a a niche kind of player where, you know, you have to have the right lineup for him. He fits a lot of what the Yankees do, but the Yankees have too many of those kind of guys on their team. Um, he is a player that he's best where he, he's at. The Texas, Texas needs him. He's young enough that he's going to be there during the rebuild. I don't think that there's any need to go get a Joey Gallo. Uh, and the price people, you know, look, and Texas rightfully so, they're going to ask for a lot. He's not in a contract year, right? They're going to ask for something. I don't think he goes anywhere. I think he stays in Texas. They're actually talking about extending him. So, yeah, I think that's uh, the route the Rangers decided that, that they're going to go. What the, the, your favorite cheaters, Houston, Tom, when they get win number 60 today, they're starting to, to stretch that lead out over Oakland there in the American League West. Ninth best earned run average. Number one overall in run score in Major League Baseball this year with 532 runs. What's Houston do at this at this deadline? Or if they do anything, you know, obviously Granke, McCullers pitching well. They, they, uh, Valdez has looked good. So the rotation, at least the top three, I think, are, are okay. The bullpen looks okay. And, and offensively, they can score. What, what, is, what do the Astros do here? They got to get some arms. They have to get some arms. Looking at first glance, you go, okay, this is okay. Uh, it's not. You know, Valdez and Feliz, they're on innings limits. Lance McCullers looks real good for the playoff run. How are they going to get there? Because he's not hes not going to load up on his innings here, Tim. He missed all last year. He's just not that guy. Even Zach Granke, who is their only solid guy, and you go, oh, we're going to lock Zach in for 190 innings. Yeah, he is also getting older. You know, we have to be careful of that. They have to get an innings eater. They don't need a frontline guy. they got to get an innings eater. 
I also think that they want some bullpen help. And it doesn't have to be a closer like a Kimbrel. I think they need a little bullpen help. Uh, and, and they'll be able to find that somewhere along the line. And maybe a guy like, like Rogers from Minnesota slides into that eighth inning role and Presley keeps the ninth. And we'll close up with the team. You, obviously, you, you read about them every day, hear about them on the radio every day, Tom. The New York Mets, 51-44, four games in lead. But here comes Atlanta. Here comes Philadelphia, Tommy. They just have a four-game lead over those two teams. And when we look at deficiencies, we, we've been talking about adding bats. Mets need bats, right, Tommy? 373 runs scored this season. Dead last in that division. The problem is that the Mets feel like they're getting their bats back. Right, Jeff McNeil was banged up. Oh, he's coming back. J.D. Davis just came back. Conforto was missing part of the year. Nimmo was missing part of the year. They feel like, you know what, we're going to get these guys back. Um, they, they, they're pitching. Look, they're even getting Carrasco back. They just traded for Rich Hill. I think they need bullpen help. But I do think that they need another bat. And, and people go, well, where are you going to play him? Lindor is out for another five weeks here. I would be all in on Trevor Story. I'd be looking at him big time if I'm the Mets. And then when Lindor comes back, you deal with what What do you have, right? When Lindor comes back, you go, I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll mix and match. Maybe Story plays second. I don't know what we're going to do. Isn't it good to just have too much? Bryant is the guy that everybody wants. Bryant makes a lot of sense. I get it. But I'm not so sure that it, you know Story isn't the guy they should be targeting. I just have never seen the Mets outside of the Piazza situation, be that deadline team. Every year, it seems like we come in. Every year, Milwaukee's going to grab a guy here or there, even though they're, it's an underrated guy. You know, the Yankees, Red Sox trying to buy some players. You know, you know, Oakland's going to make a move. San Francisco's in the mix. And the Mets are always the team that we're going, all right, what are they going to do? And they never do anything big, Tim. So I don't expect it. But I think they need it. I think they, they would really, really, really uh, it would just be a great spot for one of these bats to, to lift up the offense and propel them. And you know, I think you go get the best player available and worry about when Lindor comes back is when Lindor comes back. Trevor Story, uh, you, you look at a guy, look, you know, I don't want to go out there and say he won't come back, but Trevor Story coming back, fill in for five weeks, move over to second base. Oh, you want to play center field? Well, you got five weeks to learn it. I mean, you know, you can do and mix and match and do different things. Everybody wants Bryant. Story makes sense. I just don't think that the Mets are going to change who they are, and that's the Mets. We always talk about in today's day and age of professional sports that teams are too careful hoarding prospects, right, Tommy, and, and not just going for it sometimes. And I think if you go out and acquire Trevor Story, regardless of where you play him, not only is it a shot in the arm to the team, it's a shot in the arm to the fan base that, like you just said, historically they don't do anything, right? right. You go out and get this guy, knowing that you're probably going to lose him in the offseason anyways, but if it gets you a ring, it was worth it, worth the uh, what you lost, right? Because at the end of the day, it's winning that title. If, it's gonna, if you know he's not coming back, that's fine as long as we can win it, but we got to take a shot here. And I'm telling you, Tommy, Phillies are coming and Atlanta's coming, and they may not be able to hold on to this lead. They need a boost. Well, I'll tell you what, I know uh, firsthand that they were in on talks uh, for Nelson Cruz. Yes, a National League team. So, Tim, they know they need something. It's just, what do we pay? Well, Tommy, a quick two hours tonight, man. So, I know you're off for tomorrow, but when we talk next week, we're going to talk about these trades as they're going to be done. 
come Saturday night. Yeah, it'll be a fun week, guys. Crazy wild. Go check out Wagering Week, the podcast, guys. And you can listen to me on Sports Map Radio all week in the morning, 6 to 8 a.m. in uh, Vegas time. Sports Map Radio, I'll have Charlie Ward on with me Monday. And on Tuesday, Michael Ruzioni, 1980 Olympic hockey team captain. That's going to be a fun one as well. Plenty more guys that were lined up Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So check out the show. It's hashtag SGN on Sports Garden Network. And, of course, Tom Barton, sports.com. Tommy, just winners after winners, my man. Winners after winners. And tomorrow I'm already loading up for a big, big day. I'm pumped up for tomorrow. All right, Tom. We'll talk to you next week, brother. Have a good one, guys. For Tommy Barton, Tim Unglesby, have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you tomorrow night at 10 o'clock. It's Heat Wave Sports. It's only on Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Good night. Boy, it was Giannis and Chris Middleton. He deserves some of the blame and some of the credit as well. The Doug Gottlieb Show, weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio. Big Ben Maller. Obviously, this is a big old deal. He's a little bit nuts. I'm going to be the tinfoil hat guy, but he's also a really sensitive guy. Just read the fine print. It says... Handle with care. The Ben Maller Show. Dial up your favorite overnight sports talk. Flag mine burn scar and other flooding may occur without prior warning. Residents with homes at risk from burn scar debris impacts may wish to consider alternate shelter as weather approaches and before rainfall starts. When hazardous weather approaches go indoors to a protected area until storms and flooding subside, monitor local AM FM radio and weather radio for alerts. Stay off flooded roadways and away from washes and low-lying areas. For more information on flood safety and